As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Today's episode of the VanCast is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeetings.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Fancast for the month of April as we get rolling here. Of course, hockey isn't being played, but uh, there was some virtual hockey that we're going to get to in great detail. And we've got ourselves a, a guest on the VanCast today, which is exciting. It's Jay Pat, it's Drancer, and in a moment, Harmon Dial from The Athletic is going to be here as well. Uh, because as many of you will know by now, uh, as we said, games aren't being played on the ice, but they are being played out there uh, in the ether. Uh, online, virtual games, the Sedine Cup was up for grabs. And I'm glad that this is uh, an audio-only podcast, because if there was a video component... We would see Drance, cockier than usual probably, strutting around in (laughs) self-isolation, hoisting that Sedin Cup high as he marched around, uh, I don't know, his kitchen. Uh, There's not far you can go these days, I suppose. Uh, You can't have a victory parade, Drancer, but uh, uh, all things considered, I I guess you are the champion. Yeah, but it was a nice little bit of, you know, sunlight in my gloomy (laughs) quarantine um, you know, unfortunately, of course, I brought the cup directly to my desanitization station on my front patio and immediately disinfected it with a bleach water combo. Um, <laughs> I'll have to do the same for the ring when it arrives. But uh, look, it was a hard-fought series. I thought I was down and out. Uh, I obviously pulled out every dirty trick in the book. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, that's what you got to do to win sometimes. Uh, got to beat them up in the alley, as it were. All right, so we'll get to harm here in a sec. He's going to join us momentarily. But I will say, uh, I'll, I'll give you props because when you guys un, 
unraveled the proposal, sort of, or you laid out for the people uh, this whole project and kind of where it was coming from and how you had arrived at your teams. In the court of public opinion, Drancer, like, you took an absolute bath. Like, you were getting pounded on... I was getting hosed, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we had, like, 2,000 votes on the poll of who had the better team, and Harmon got, like, 1,000 more votes than I did. <laughs> it was a it was a three to one margin, and obviously the afternoon hosts, both Blake Price and Matt Sakaris, um, opined widely that I'd screwed up, re- truly hosed the draft. Ryan Kessler suggested that as well. Um, even the guys who were on my team, guys like BX and Luongo, they were like, "Oh, I don't know how 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 he get the whole West Coast Express, bud." <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, I was I was taking it from a lot of corners, but uh, triumphant win. Boys never let up, uh, kept their head high, embraced the underdog status, and, uh, you know, so it goes. We win. If people haven't seen it, uh, it's at The Athletic now, and it was uh, this exercise of drafting basically the best Canuck teams or best players of the salary cap era, you and Harm, back and forth. Uh, drafting your teams and putting them together, and then Dom LeCision, who's become a key component, thank goodness, of the VanCast. Without Dom, uh, I'm not sure where we'd be when we talk about uh, the alternate uh, <laughs> reality of these Canuck games that haven't been played. And and then Dom was, uh, you know, he, he put the model together to figure out how this thing went, and we'll get into it in detail. Let's get Harm in here. Uh, Harmon Dial of The Athletic, uh, who was uh, your foil in this, and of course your colleague writing about the Canucks, Uh, at The Athletic. Harm, where did it go wrong for you? Because you had the lead, you looked like you had the team, but ultimately, uh, it's Drancer that's doing victory laps here today. Uh, Honestly, I think uh, this is is just like 2011. Uh, The team that's uh, (laughs) rated higher with with more points and objectively the higher probability to win uh, goes up two games in the final. Um, you know, three two. He he wins game five in overtime. Two shots to clinch it, um, including a game seven that would be on home ice and just just beaten by beaten by the dirty tricks. Uh, what, what what can I say? <laughs> I I've, I've now got a president's trophy banner that's useless to me, and um, you know, just gotta learn learn next time. And uh, I've got Cody Hog Hogson for for game eight, so you know he's slotting in uh, back to the lineup for the rematch. Um, <laughs> I also got Zach Kasten in the reserves, so um, we're, we're, we're going to build this up. We'll, we'll get him next year. <laughs> you also get the Lady Bing, Harmon, because while I debased myself in order to win, you were a gentleman co- consummately throughout the series. Oh, wow, thank you. So now I have two useless awards. <laughs> 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 he's just he's buttering he's buttering you up, but uh, you know full well that he's again he's doing victory laps around his kitchen. Honestly, though, Harm, when when you guys when you did the draft and you walked away from it, like how how pleased were you with the team that you had assembled? I think I was I was I was fairly confident. I think um, I wasn't doing victory laps after the after the draft, and um, I do think that the the margin between our teams wasn't as big as the public sphere might have suggested. I think at the end of the day, um, just the 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 gap between us. I mean, you go you look. I mean, fifty six percent odds. Like that's good, but it, it's not a huge distance in in a seven game series when it's that close. Um, it's, it, I mean, I mean, it just takes a little bit of variance, uh, a little bit of the right players sort of clicking at the right time. I mean, all those, all, all the magical things that happen in the playoffs. And it's just another lesson that, um, when it is so close, 
anything can happen. And um, ultimately, I think at the end of the day, the outcome doesn't change kind of how I feel about my team. I felt pretty confident going in and um, I'd bet on them again. <laughs> I'm hearing a coach. I'm hearing a coach slash GM. I love my team. I love my guys. They they left it all out there in cyberspace for me, and uh, there was nothing left to to, to be had. Uh, look, the exercise again is there. It's it's in print. If people want to go back, we're not going to go through pick by pick. But Grantzer, just give me a sense uh, of the exercise and sort of your strategy because uh, one of the the stipulations that I, I thought was really creative and and I liked was. You know, once a player was off the board, all of his seasons were off the board. So you couldn't have, you know, one of you couldn't have Henrik Sedin from 2010, 2011, and the other take Henrik Sedin from 09, 10. Like once Henrik was gone, he was gone and you were left to look in other directions. But, you know, was there sort of, I mean, it's a draft and you went back and forth and obviously you don't know who's harm, who harm is going to pick, but like, did you have a strategy laid out in the way? I did. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I knew the moment that I had the second pick that I was going to get one fewer elite players. Right. So from that point on, I knew I was going to target D early. Like I knew that I needed Quinn Hughes uh, as my second pick, as opposed to taking Kessler or Daniel. Um, well, I didn't even get the chance to pick Daniel. Really, I wanted both Sedins. And I tried to organize that with Harmon, but he wouldn't He wouldn't accept that. So, you know, the once that was off the table, and once I realized I had the second pick, I focused on D. Erhoff, I probably overdrafted a bit. Quinn Hughes, um, you know, I think I probably overdrafted a little bit too, just when you consider how good that Kessler season is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just figured there'd be a big drop off after that. And when you go through, we, we ended up at, at, so we drafted before we knew these scores, right? Like we drafted based on the data available to the public and then Harmon, I'm sorry. And then Dominic rated our teams and then he rated every other season and sent it to us in a spreadsheet so we could see where we'd screwed up. And so for example, the Burroughs season I picked and the Airhoff season I picked, like Burroughs' 10-11 was better and Airhoff's 09-10 was better than his 10-11. So it's like I actually left some points on the board with what seasons I picked my players in. I love the fact, though, that you guys put together these teams that were like 125-point, you know, absolute <laughs> killing, <laughs> killing machines, essentially. Uh, Harm, what about your strategy? Like, did you have uh, anything, you know, that differed from the way Thomas was trying to assemble his team? Uh, honestly, I think um, my my biggest thing was I'm not going to like I, I just wanted to pick the best seasons possible. I didn't try and I think early on through the draft I tried to pick um, as much. I saw an opportunity to sort of build out a, a loaded top six and um, and from there sort of build the rest of the roster out. And and for me, I was sort of betting that sort of the elite talent that I had assembled. Uh, particularly up front, that that would sort of put me in a position where um, where I can like it was it, it was almost a sense of um, when we even had our, our starting lineups. I felt that I had a little bit more elite talent just overall. Um, I think Drance had the better depth, um, and so I sort of went at it where um, even if, for example, my second pair right side isn't great, I was sort of betting on on the fact that my uh, top end talent was going to kind of uh, carry me through. Take us behind the scenes, like how exactly? Like, so Dom's doing the modeling. Like, is he revealing the results sort of one at a time here, or did he just lay it on you that this is how it ultimately all played out? 
so it played out very similarly to how it reads. Like it was a live chat in our Slack channel between the three of us. So Dom would simulate the game and and reveal it. We basically just ran the chat log um, sort of raw, and we and we sort of indicated where we were saying things that were off the record for the purpose of you know just sort of guiding the conversation. So we were getting it in real time. So very very seriously, that point in the transcript where I suspend Jason Garrison, like there's this long silence as Harmon and Tom sort of realize that I've set this trap with the idea of the winner's power. And then I've abused it to suspend a player on harm. Like there was honestly this long gap. And I'm just like, guys, I'm laughing my ass off here <laughs> before they reacted. And then Harmon was a better sport about it than I probably would have been. <laughs> I considered for a second. I was like, because uh, after I won the next game, um, obviously you kind of get to control the narrative of, of what happened. And um, I was sort of thinking, you know, should I have, should I have a scenario where, sort of someone lays out a hit on Quinn Hughes now and, and there's like an entire line brawl and I suspend like three of his players that came off the bench or something <laughs> and like kick him out of the like the, the rest of the series like the 10 game automatic but uh no I was like let, let me win this like it, like if we go at it from from this perspective we both might not have players like for, like, for game seven we might uh, we might have to go through like the waiver wire, you know, pick up like, and then you might have like Frankie Corrado in your top four, <laughs> matching up, <laughs> trying to stop uh, Matt Cook on the second line or something, and then so um, I didn't want it to sort of become like this whole um, big cluster where where we're going back and forth with, like injuries and suspension. So I tried to take uh, the higher road, and and as Dom so eloquently put it, I tried to win in class like an idiot. Well. <laughs> and, 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 look, as you pointed out, like, okay, so you got to sit on this loss for now, but you know that you've got in your back pocket, you've got a game eight victory. Like, at some point, you'll be able to play that card. So, you know, you've got another win coming, Harm. Uh, it just didn't happen in this series. Drancer, like, so when you guys got it to 3 3 and you had started this, you know, you come back, you get it to a three all, it's down to one game. Like, honestly, like, where was your investment in the outcome of actually winning this thing? Uh-oh. Oh, I mean, you know me, I'm competitive about everything, right? Like, I, I'm insanely competitive about things that absolutely don't matter, and, and this was among them. But also, in the moment, yeah, I wanted to win really badly. On the other hand, the moment I was down 3-1, honestly, the moment Harmon won Game 3, like, I thought his team was better too, So, or, or at least I thought there was a little bit of a gap in terms of our top 19. I, I know that my team had better depth, but it doesn't matter when you have to sit more wins than the other guy, right? And so I was expecting to lose the moment the Jason Garrison suspension gambit didn't pay off. And when when I won game when I lost game 3, I was like, okay, I'm I'm not going to win the series. And then I was down 3-1 and I was just hoping that it wouldn't be a wipeout. Like I was just hoping to at least get to game 6, you know? <laughs> and then uh but but no, I was just I I I guess I'd made peace earlier on with the idea that I was going to win. So when I finally did see that Dom had simulated game 7 in my favor, it was just like gravy. Um and to be totally honest, it was sort of off to the side that as we discussed it, we realized that it should be a 4 nothing victory <laughs> in Game 7. That was kind of a mutual agreement between us. 
And, and and for me, it's funny because as soon as I went up 3-1, and you can see it if you go back into the chat logs, my like post-game quote is, we got to get it done on home ice in Game 5 because I just had this gut feeling where I'm like, if I lose Game 5, I'm not winning this thing. So as soon as I actually lost Game 5, especially being OT, I was like, they're, honestly, like in my head, I was like, I'm, I'm hoping for the best, but I, for whatever reason, I just knew. I mean, I called it in Game 1. Like before Game 1 started, I was like, the favorites never win, man. And especially like just the way our teams were kind of built it really did just kind of have a, a 2011 vibe and um as soon as i went up by two games and 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 then as soon as we lost game five i was like this is literally the 2011 canucks all over again i just i felt it i i felt it i knew i was i was going down well i gotta hand it to both of you guys because like the exercise itself and like i had known that it was coming down the pipe and it sounded very creative and it you know, it was intriguing, and obviously at this time when games aren't being played, it you know gave people something to chew on. But you know the way it was written out and around the games itself, and whether that was a transcript of your your Slack chat or you know it had been polished up a little uh, to be able to bring as many characters uh, from Canucks Twitter, from the like the real media. <laughs> I made an appearance in there. Um, you know the coaches. Oh, like it, it was good fun. So like, did it? ultimately turn out the way you sort of envisioned because it was a pretty abstract concept um i think it turned out even better because i remember initially um when we talked about live simulation and throwing a reaction and i didn't really know what that would kind of look like um especially with with the whole narrative but then i realized we were just kind of having um a lot of fun with it and and then so especially when we were able to introduce a lot of the characters and and throw in a lot of like um canucks twitter type jokes um, and, and like, my, I think my favorite was definitely the whole, the whole Rome situation. So Garrison <laughs> gets suspended, um, for, for game three, I win game three. And then I have, I have the choice where I can sort of cut the suspension from two games to one. Um, and, and that was another gut feeling too, where I was like, you know, obviously Garrison's a much better player than Aaron Rome. The difference there definitely swung the percentages, um, but I just had this feeling of, you know, if I take Aaron Rome out of the lineup, I might just like this might literally be um, when he actually got out of the lineup in 2011. <laughs> and I just had and I just pictured Taj 1944 and and and, and I decided to take him out of, out of the lineup and sort of veto the, the suspension down to one game anyway. And, 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 and then just to throw in that tweet of of um of of where Rome's out of lineup um and and this is after one one game what was it four as well um three one down for Taj to be hypothetically betting on Drance's team because Aaron Rome is out of the lineup <laughs> and then for him to double down in game seven and and hashtag easy money like that was that was I could picture all of it happening in real life I liked Taj's tweet saying the tweets in this are too realistic. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're a little predictable, bud. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think we could have scripted this any better. Like if we tried to like make a perfect script for how a hypothetical playoff series um, would have happened, I, we, I don't think we would have been able to, to make it as entertaining as this. It, was, it had a little bit of everything. Now, I, I just want to quickly read three excellent tweets which i think capture the extent to which this series caused some um ptsd type flashbacks for our readers uh, but also i think captures the extent to which harm your team captured the public's imagination 
Um, Karis Red Yoga Socks says, reading this, it felt like only Harmon's team was actually the Canucks, despite it being Canucks versus Canucks. I feel like the Canucks lost. <laughs> um, <laughs> from from Paul Parsons, that's Paul Parr. Um, after reading that article, Drance is going to have to live with knowing that he is Boston. Dirty, and with the league letting him get away with anything. Everything. Go put on a Marshawn jersey and dance around in your living room, Drance. I'll stick with Team Dial through thick and thin. <laughs> <laughs> and then... From Yeah Yeah Sucks. But Harmon's team both blew a 3-1 lead and lost 4-0 in Game 7, making them the team that truly captures the Vancouver essence much better than yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, a terrific project and, and just good fun, and people need fun at this time. So uh, congrats to both you guys and to Dom as well for, for his involvement. Uh, Harm, keep up the good work as always. Thanks so much for uh, giving us a little bit of time here on the VanCast. And, uh, you know, at some point the news cycle will pick up and there will be actual hockey things to discuss. And hopefully we can get you back on another podcast pretty soon. Thanks, guys. Uh, just before we get back into a few more Canuck-related items here on the VanCast, let me tell you that uh, there are other, other great podcasts, if you don't already know it. Uh, on the athletic site, Dallas Akins, the head coach of the Anaheim Ducks, is joining Shane O'Brien and Josh Cooper on Point Breakaway to talk all things Anaheim during the break here. And how about this? Mayhem at the Kachuk compound. Keith Kachuk's sons, Brady of the Ottawa Senators and Matthew from the Calgary Flames, join Barrett Jackman and Jeremy Rutherford on We Went Blues this week. So if you're looking for your hockey fix, a couple of great ones to check out there. Uh, Drancer, look, people that have listened to the VanCast know uh, that we've had some fun with Game 81. It sort of held a special place in both of our hearts, and uh, we built it up probably more than we ought to have, but the potential always was there that Game 81 was going to, at its very best, be like a almost a one-game winner-take-all for a playoff spot in either the Pacific Division or the Western Conference. I think we both realized that Arizona had fallen off the pace a little bit, and it probably wasn't going to mean that to the Coyotes, but just how tight it was in and around the playoff bar back when they were actually playing games... You know, Game 81, we had mentioned it many times on this pod. Uh, Canucks in Glendale, where, of course, they were when the season was halted. And here we are as we record this on the day of what should have been Game 81. Ah, Game 81. It's always going to live there in our memory banks. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's sad. Like, it it's sad not to be on that trip, right? Um, and, you know, Game I mean, regardless of what had transpired regardless of the stakes like it was going to be game 81 and there would have been we we would have been working overtime to manufacture hype for tonight's game right like we would have i know for a fact we'd invested too much and so you know obviously it's been tough in general just to not have hockey or or that kind of distraction especially with how much we love just watching the sport and being at the rink day to day but it's especially tough tonight knowing that tonight we're missing out on the game we'd been looking forward to all season. Yeah, and, and it's sort of hard for me to process that, you know, I was there in Phoenix when it was canceled or stopped, and here we are. They should have been back there uh, for this big game against the Coyotes. So, uh, again, uh, three weeks down the pipe, and, and okay, I mean, again, it's, it's tough to imagine any way to resume the season. I know that uh, they're going to hold out hope, but when you look at what's going on uh, in the world, particularly in some of these hot spots in the U.S., New York and Florida, uh, you know, there are NHL teams there. And so it doesn't matter how well uh, we're coping with it uh, on the west coast of Canada. It's a league of 31 teams and soon to be uh, 32. 
But, you know, you you need all these teams to have full clearance, and we're still hearing instances of players that are contracting COVID and the Ottawa Senators, uh, the runaway league leaders in that category. I don't know that that's a category you want to lead the league in, but uh, more reports this week of uh, more Ottawa Senators. So I don't know about you, but it just, like, look, I, I keep my fingers and toes crossed that there is a way that they could play some summer hockey, but uh, I don't know. I, I just i am not feeling it. I agree with you. I think we're at a point where I would be pretty shocked if the league was able to find a way to finish the 2019-20 season um, and forget finishing the regular season. I, I, I mean, award a Stanley Cup this year. I think this might be, you know, the, the once every hundred years, the Cup's not awarded for reasons of a global illness. And uh, so it goes. I, I mean, I, I'm sort of made peace with the likelihood that that's going to occur. And um, I think what's going to be what I'm hopeful of, right? Because I got thrown for a little bit of a loop uh, when I heard Bonnie Henry this week talk about the second wave in October, right? That they're preparing for. And I was like, oh my God. Uh, but the, you know, fact is, is when you're talking about a second wave in October, like I'm more interested in seeing at this point in terms of what I think is realistic, whether or not the league can start up for 21-22 on time or thereabouts. Uh, that to me is a more interesting sort of question uh, at this point than can they finish the 1920 season just because it's so hard to see a way forward um, in which they'd get that. And I know, I mean, there's leagues like the Premier Leagues discuss doing things like having setups where the teams all sort of decamp and stay in quarantine and finish the season uh, somewhere remote. Um, you know, there's reports that they're looking at China as a, as a possibility for that. Um, you know, I saw... Elliot Friedman in his 30 thought, 31 thoughts column float the idea of Saskatchewan. There's an executive who wants to do it in Saskatchewan, um, something like that. And it's like, I think it would take something like that to, to finish the season at this point. Um, so, you know, it's just hard to imagine at this point. Right, because all it takes, I mean, you can plan all that stuff and think it looks great on paper. And then you find, you get there and, you know, one person, one person on the inside tests positive and, you know, all hell breaks loose again, and you can't continue. Yep. And, I mean, that's just sort of how tenuous uh, the situation is. Hey, a couple of Canucks-related things, though, but to get to. One is, uh, you probably saw that NHL Players Association poll that came out. Uh, I, you know, mm-hmm. I guess the most interesting thing from a Canucks standpoint was uh, no Canucks registered. Like, they didn't factor yeah. in. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot there. My sort of takeaway was, you know, NHL players quite often are – uh, that blanket statement of you know a pretty boring bunch for the most part, and I kind of thought the results of the players' poll uh, sort of held true to that. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, for me, maybe the most interesting thing is uh, the dress code and and the fact that you know there are still a lot of guys that uh, seem to think that uh, there's merit to throwing on their their best outfit just to basically walk from the car park <laughs> to the dressing room. Uh, I, I think we're at a point in time where they probably should look at relaxing the dress code for, for hockey players in terms of, you know, what they have to wear to the rink and uh, to get on a flight. You've been sort of on the other side and on the inside. And, look, I mean, I, I get some guys like to dress up, but I don't know. Is there a need for uh, the league to continue uh, to force guys to dress the way they do uh, just to show up at uh, a rink on game day? No, it's stupid. It's really dumb. And I also think that it works to subconsciously promote the 
sort of uniformity that I think is holding the league back as opposed to celebrating individualism in general. Um, you know, I think about, and I reread this this week and I shared it on Twitter, uh, the Theo Epstein speech right. to the Yale class of 2017. And one of the big things he talks about is how they rel relaxed the uh, dress code. And, and I was thinking about it too when I was talking to Eddie Lack, who was such a sort of uh, an individual, right? Like he was such a character and he was so willing to share that side of himself. And so many athletes, I mean, look, there's, we're actually pretty lucky in covering the Canucks day to day and that there's a lot of guys who will let you know, you know, what they're about. Like you, you see that Antoine Roussel tweet, right? Reacting to JT Miller saying that he knows why he wouldn't want to be quarantined with him, right? Like that's good stuff. Roussel's great for that. Miller is great for that. Pedersen's great for that. Um, Stetcher, obviously, like there's a lot of good conversations and guys who are willing to share their personalities in that Canucks locker room. And, and we're fortunate for that. But there's also a lot of guys and, and Jacob Markstrom's the one who comes to mind first off for me, who everything I hear about him suggests he's, you know, a, a beauty, but to the media anyway, he's not right. Like he's very much guarded, um, you know, holds, holds, holds a lot of himself uh, to himself. And that's his right. Uh, no problem with that. I mean, not morally, I'm just commenting on it and observing it. And, you know, I think that the league in general needs more guys to, sh you know, show who they are and be themselves. And I do think that the dress code is a small sort of way of tilting in that direction of, you know, accepting and promoting, you know, the individual stars. I, I think the league could benefit from it. I, th I think they should. Uh, I think they should move to it. And I think they're you'll see a team sort of unilaterally be the first to do it at some point here and, and probably not in the in the too distant future. My money's on Toronto. You referenced the JT Miller Zoom conference chat that uh, the Canucks and the league uh, had put together and uh, it was made available to, to many of us in the media. You were on it, I was on it as well. Uh, and I laughed when you talk about individuals because uh, Coos wrote a story back in, I think, November when the Canucks were out on the road. Uh, I don't know where he got his <laughs> right. tip that JT Miller at one point was this like, fairly high-level bowler. And Miller gave him some pretty good quotes about you know uh, how he came oh, and, bowling. And, and Coos, Coos made a meal out of that piece, too. <laughs> Like he made an absolute meal of it. It was great. Like right. honestly, one of the one of the best pieces of like light touch Canucks writing this year. And so Josh Clipperton of Canadian Press, who used to cover the Canucks here in Vancouver, now uh, works nationally out of Toronto. He was on the chat as well, and he comes in midway through and starts <laughs> with this bowling question about how JT Miller is getting his bowling fix when he's in quarantine. And I just that was my favorite moment of the whole chat. Was like. <laughs> one one guy asked me about bowling once, and now everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Coos bringing it up, like, "Hey, I'm the guy." <laughs> when he got his question, yeah. um, I I actually thought that was a pretty good format. Um, JT's perfect for it, right? Because he can talk all day yep. when he's in the right mood, and he was in the right mood yesterday. And you know, I think I mean, I thought it was a pretty good level of availability. I thought he handled it really well. The questions were good and interesting. Um, you know, even if he objected to clips, <laughs> asking him about <laughs> ten pin. But um, but look, it was. Uh, I thought I thought it worked really well and uh, appreciated the Canucks doing that. There's obviously not every team is making guys available or endeavoring to make guys available, and it's just like when the you know, and again, I think why we're pretty fortunate day to day and you know th even when 
media, for example, was barred from the locker room, right? And the Canucks took that step of setting up a one-on-one room on a game day so that you could still have an off-to-the-side in, uh, interaction with a player. I mean, that's the sort of thing where, you know, it, clearly they're not using this opportunity to limit access. Like, they're trying to work with us. It's just, it sucks. Like, it's just tough to do. So uh, at least they're beginning to sort of move towards something where their players are out in public and uh, where the beast is fed. Um, because the beast needs to be fed. It's going to be a really tough go here for a lot of sports writers um, and a lot of people in our industry. And every little bit, every JT Miller Zoom call helps us all do our job and, and keep the sport sort of visible, even while the games are on indefinite hiatus. Yeah, I think the league and its member clubs are actually doing a pretty good job. I mean, when I, I look around on my Twitter feed, it seems on a daily basis there are, you know, three or four players that uh, have been ama- made available somewhere uh, throughout the National Hockey League. And I would imagine that, you know, the Canucks will continue on somewhat of a regular basis. Uh, you know, we've heard from Horvat now, uh, JT Miller. I hope that uh, we get a few others along the way. And, you know, I saw the Canucks did a, a Twitter Q&A with Brock Besser uh, earlier in the week as well. And, you know, it was good to see him back home uh, with his dad, Duke. And my favorite moment there, and I posted the pic, was uh, his mom, Lori, doing yard work wearing the hoodie with the flow <laughs> on the it. Flow. I just thought that was <laughs> so good. That was tremendous, man. <laughs> and I also liked that Milo, Milo, Tweet, trended in Vancouver, 30,000 people <laughs> tweeting at the Canucks about Besser's new dog. Um, you know, just goes to show you that the appetite in this market is you know, as as significant as it's ever been. And I also want to take that opportunity to thank all the Canucks fans who, you know, not only tune in to us here, but um, have continued to be subscribers at The Athletic Vancouver. Um, You know, we're seeing really good readership on all our stuff, and it it means a lot, especially, you know, when times are trying. Um, The people still want to come and talk hockey and argue with us and, you know, make fun of my drafts um, against Harmon and on and on. So, we, you know, I just want to extend my deep appreciation uh for our subscribers and our listeners uh you know wouldn't be fun without the that level of passion that uh, certainly wouldn't be the same without that level of passion and um you know especially right now while we all kind of need it um you know the fact that they've been so loyal so consistent um just means the world to me uh well said uh, i echo all that uh, it's great to see that engagement is uh, still there even though the games aren't and let's take a moment here before we finish uh, you know, these are tough times, and we're seeing that uh, on the regular uh, across all walks of life. But, you know, it hit the hockey community uh, here on Wednesday with word that uh, the Vancouver Courier had elected to uh, close up shop. And that means that uh, Daniel Wagner and the Pasitabulis group, uh, for the time being at least, uh, out of work. And you hate to see that. And look, I lived through it uh, four years ago. It's not fun. Uh, these are such uncertain times. Uh, who knows where things lead? But uh, you know, I just want to uh, wish Daniel the best. I reached out to him uh, right away when I saw the news, and uh, you know, he does a terrific job. He's got a great sense of humor. He sort of writes. Uh, I mean, he, he writes great straight material, but he also uh, is able to sort of bring his unique perspective into some of the uh, stuff that's out there a little bit too. That uh, there's definitely an audience for, and so. Uh, you know, doesn't take himself too seriously in the work that he does. And I think that's uh, one of his strong suits in all of this. And so uh, hopefully there's a place at the table for him when uh, we get out of this and, you know, we get back to some sense of normalcy. But uh, you hate to see the job losses have hit the hockey community here in Vancouver. 
Absolutely. And and Wags is the best because he thinks differently, right? Yeah. Wags thinks differently than everyone else on that beat. He sees stuff no one else does as a result. Um, he's done an excellent job fleshing out his team in recent months and, and bringing in some new voices and elevating their work. Um, always takes time for younger writers. Like Wags is the best. Uh, he's part of what makes the media scene in Vancouver so vibrant uh, and, an, and an essential part. It would be a damn shame if, uh, if there's no seat at the table for someone that good. Um, and that's why I know there will be on the other side of it. But yeah, terrible news and, and obviously uh, thinking of Wags, but so confident that he's going to be back and, uh, and producing stuff that makes me mad because it's really good um, on the other side of this. Don't forget to please rate and subscribe the VanCast on Apple. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash thevancast, you'll get 40% off your subscription to The Athletic. Hey, the next time you and I get together for a new VanCast, uh, Game 82 will have come and gone. Uh, playoffs, we'll see where Dom's model takes the Vancouver Canucks, and, and then we'll uh, take it from there. But uh, again, everybody, take care of yourselves and each other. Hang in there. Uh, we'll do our best to try to provide some hockey content, and when there's news to digest, uh, we'll break that down for you as well right here on the VanCast, the Athletic and the Athletic.com. <laughs>